The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back. This is David and Isaac, Hoop Ball Grizz, back with another episode. Come back to the Grizzlies fall short. Game two, Donovan Mitchell makes, I'm going to semi come back. I don't care what he says. He is not healthy. He didn't play awful, but he looked pretty ginger out there on that ankle. 141-129 was the final score. We're going to talk about the game, talk about game three coming back to the grindhouse. The Grizzlies getting some national media attention. John Morant blowing up the most points scored in their first two playoff games by a player. Like, well, I guess just first two. I don't think there was an age involved in that, was there? Like at uh. 73? Yeah, I think I, I think they I think since they, the since the merger, the yeah. only the only guy that scored more than him was George Mikan, and that was prior to the merger. Yeah, so I mean, just unbelievable stuff for John. Like I said, man, records falling by the game. I mean, it's at this point, man. I mean, you can't say it's unbelievable anymore because I mean, you expect these things from him. I mean, he's been so special uh, through, through his first two years, and again, I mean, it's just getting started, man. What? What is he going to be doing three or four years from now, man? It, it, it's amazing. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he, he did have a good game, but you could tell that he's not 100%, and that's going to be something to watch going forward. Um, I definitely think that that could be an issue because, I mean, he looked ginger on that ankle. I mean, went back to the locker room at, at one point during the game, did come back out. But uh, I, I, I think I don't think he's going to be 100% in this series. But, yeah, man, still – Still played really well, man. Knocked down some some tough shots, so he's definitely going to make a difference for this team, and it's definitely an adjustment that the Grizzlies going to have to make. Yeah, he was five for ten from three. So you know, he, <clears throat> excuse me, you can tell that he's not a hundred percent, but it didn't affect his ability to score the basketball. That's for sure. Played twenty five minutes, scored twenty five points. Um, man, the the Jazz pick and roll just tore the Grizzlies apart. Yeah, it was just. The Grizzlies did not have an answer for it. And and we've seen that throughout the year. I mean, that's been a big problem for this team uh, throughout the year. They did a really good job of it in, in game one, but in game two, I mean, they just could, couldn't defend the pick and roll. I mean, they really took advantage of that all night long. I mean, you see JV and, and, and Jaron just getting killed uh, all night with the pick and roll. And I, I don't know if they have an answer to that. We, we kind of talked about that on Twitter uh, with me, you, and, and a couple other people on Twitter this morning. I, I don't know if they have an answer for that. Personnel-wise, they just might not have an answer. I, I think, and, and and don't put me in, in, in the box of, of Bass and Jaron, because I'm definitely not in that box. I, I disagree wholeheartedly with this narrative of, of Jaron's not a part of this future, that he is regressed and all that. I mean, the guy's been out yeah, for almost a year. Argument, yeah, hadn't even been 20. He hadn't even played 20 games. We're in the middle of a playoff series, man. This guy is 22 years old, man. Come on, man. Just give a get, get, get this guy, give a break, man, to to what's going on right now with Jaron. I mean, you got to understand there's going to be some rust with with Jaron. Um, and, and again, I mean, this is it is what it is right now. But I, I think the minutes with Jaron at the five, um, I, I, I don't good, I just, Yeah, I just don't think you can – can play him at the five. And, I mean, I know you have Tillman, and you look at the size of Gobert, and, I mean, he's given up a lot of height there. But I think when, when JV's out of the game, Tillman might be your best option. Um, I mean, I think you just have to kind of roll with what you have there, and, and I think that might be the best option. I know so I was talking to someone a minute ago, and they were saying, well, maybe you should go back to BC. And I do think that there might be some, some shakeup off the bench, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But BC's not going to help with the rebounding. I mean, he, he might help a little bit with the pick-and-roll defense, but, again, he's – giving up a lot of size as well. So I think strength-wise, if you're going to have an undersized guy, I think Tillman might be your best option. And I think that just might have to be the way they go. Yeah, it, it's almost a catch-22 there between Tillman and BC. And, you know, we, we've been saying on, on the show for a little while that we like Tillman over BC. And that's not a slight saying that we don't like Brandon Clark because that's not the case. But at this point in time, it has been Tillman has been playing better but in you know it's the playoffs you have to make adjustments and that may be what they have to do who knows you know if you put him out there and he's out there and he plays you know between 5 to 8 minutes and BC is getting torched or looks worse okay it, it didn't work you just don't put him back out there i, I don't know where they're going to go with, with the adjustments they're not getting much productivity from the bench and, and that's 
in the playoffs, you don't see that as much as the regular season. So that's to be expected a little bit. But this Grizzlies team has been so successful because those guys have been so good and, and just kind of crazy because Melton has been good all year. And these last, what, probably three or four weeks, yeah, has, he looked like bubbled the Anthony Melton all over again. Kid throw a rock in the ocean. You know, just Desmond Bain has really been the only guy off the bench that has been reliable and, and doing what you need him to do. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes moving forward. But I, I want to touch on the, the, the Jaron stuff. Go back and look at some of these players in their second and third season. Look, look at what Giannis was doing in his second and third season and James Harden. Look what these guys were doing season two and three, and then look where they're at now. A lot of these guys are not hitting their peak. You know, it, it's I, I don't know where this narrative comes from. I don't know where it was generated, but a, a player's not going to come in the NBA more times than not going to come in the NBA and be at their peak by their second season. And it's crazy to me that people are thinking that. I see so many fans with bad takes on get Jaron out of there. He's hurting the team. You know, he, he's not bringing anything to the table. Um, he had 18 points. He, he didn't rebounding. I don't, I don't want to hear about the rebound. He's not a rebounder. I, I don't like, I don't care about that. I don't care that he's seven foot and he doesn't rebound. Well, that doesn't bother me at all. That's not what he's there for. He's nine of 11 from the free throw line. He was productive. He, his plus minus, he was a plus three, you know, in a game that they, they lost the four people, four out of the five starters were positives. And Jaron was one of those guys. So don't tell me he wasn't bringing anything to the floor. His pick and roll defense was not good. It didn't look good there. And there were some things that he was doing that, that, that didn't look good, but give this guy time. His skill set is too good to just be rolling over on him already. I've never seen a fan base do this so fast on not, no, this guy's garbage. Just get him out of town. Here yeah, we are man. now, you know, beginning of the season, it was Dylan Brooks. We're trading him for freaking Cheetos and a Pepsi. And, and now it's the same thing with Jaron Jackson. And I'm, I don't understand it, man. That's, I will never be on that page and, I'm, I'm not telling you that I will never get frustrated and never, you know, be critical of him because there's definitely things that you can be critical about, but this, it's just, it's tiring. I cannot understand where this is coming from. And I, I wish I knew who started this whole, they have to be good by year two. Are there, are there a bust? Because that needs to be just shot. Just get it out of here. Done. Give these guys time to develop. I think with Jared, I think it's the what have you done for me lately syndrome with people. I think they've forgotten how just how good he was last year and being out for most of the season and then coming back. You're thinking that this is what he was and it's not. I mean, and even now, even with him struggling, just like you said, I mean, he had 16 points. Um, I mean, he played, had a good game, one of two from three, uh, not 11 from the free throw line, like I said, plus three in the game. I mean, even even with him struggling. He's still production wise has been one of the better players on the team. And I mean, pick and roll defense was bad. And I think that's an issue going forward. And, and I do think one of my keys to, to this series going forward is I, and I've talked about this a lot and I've asked for this every since game one. I just think right now his three point shots not falling. I mean, it has been really falling since he's come back from injury. And when you look at this, the matchups on, between outside of jaw, in theory, I think Jaron, it's the biggest advantage that the, that the Grizzlies have against the Jazz with the guys, Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, whoever they put on him, um, Niang, whoever they have on him at the time. I think streak-wise, I think he has an advantage. And I think every time he shoots for the perimeter, I think he's belting them out, man. Go inside and try to exploit that mismatch. I mean, this team doesn't really have – the Grizzlies don't really have many advantages against this Jazz team. But if, if in theory, if they have one or two, that would be one of them. And I just think that they're not – exploiting that enough. I mean, we've seen a couple times where he's going to the basket and usually he's or he scores or he ends up getting to the free throw line. And yeah, I just well, like to see that a little bit more. 
yeah, he had 11 free throw attempts in game two, and the majority of those came off of his inside game. Yeah. So I, while he does like to shoot the three, and I have no problems with him shooting the three, he actually he only shot two threes. Yeah, he always in shot game two. two. Yeah, I, I thought it was more than that, but that's his success came from inside. <clears throat> Excuse me, I, I apologize. I just hadn't shaken this cold yet. I was talking to my wife just fine. I get on here and start recording, and here it comes, <laughs> and I'm all flimmy and everything. But I, I pulled Giannis's stats up here. Giannis, year one and two, he was six points, then 13 points, then 17 points. And then between year three and four, he goes from 17 and seven to 24 and nine. Year four. We're th- this is year three for Jaron, basically like with his injury time and time miss, essentially like year, two. year two. But year three, if we are at the end of next season and Jaron is not being productive and he's not, and you want to you want to badmouth him, then I may listen to it a little bit more. But give these guys time. Don't roll over on them so fast. The playoffs are a different animal. When you get into regular season games, and this year was a little different because they played a lot of these time, a lot of these teams close. Like I, I think all three of the Jazz games were within like eight or nine days of each other, so it was kind of like a series with the Jazz. But it, you have to make adjustments. It, this is not a, a regular season game, and so there's going to be things that we see they're just completely different. And I I've got to say, I've been pleasantly surprised with the things that Jenkins is doing in this series for all of the worry and all of the concerns that we've had with him and adjustments. I think that he's done fantastic with it. Yeah. I, I think he's done a great job because I was one of the ones that have criticized him throughout the season for not making adjustments, but here late in the season, even back at, back to the play in, uh, you gotta look at that Portland game. Uh, I mean, not Portland, San Antonio game uh, at FedEx Forum uh, in that second half, where he he made some adjustments. You had Grayson really struggling there in the first half, and he set him down in the second half. We talked about that on here, and I mean, the, with the lineups, the way he staggered lineups, I kind of asked for that. He's done that very well. I think he's done a fantastic job for this to be his first playoff run. I mean, you gotta understand that the, he's a young coach. This team is young, and they're learning on the fly here, and I think they're doing a Fantastic job uh, going into this these first two games. I think if you're the Grizzlies, if, if for me at least, I, I want to accomplish two things. I think you obviously want to get the split. Anytime you don't have on court advantage, you want to try to take that on court advantage away by winning those first two games. They did that, but second secondary, I think what they they wanted to prove to the Jazz that they weren't going to punk them. That this wasn't going to be a uh, we're the, we're the one we're the eight. You're a young team. We're superior to you. We're just going to show up and beat you. And I think they passed that test emphatically. I think the Jazz know at this point that this is going to be a dog fight and this could be a long series. I think going in, I think you kind of look at the Donovan Mitchell stuff and them sitting them game one. I think they kind of thought, oh, we're this team. We're going to just roll this team. We're going to be – this is going to be a sweep. We're this not going to be a problem. And I think the Grizzlies have shown them that that's not going to be the case. And I, I think yeah. they've given them something to think about. And these these going to be tough games, and they're going to play well to win. Because, I mean, even if you look at game two, I mean, they end up winning the game by 12. I think you saw a big comeback by the Grizzlies. If it wasn't for foul trouble in that in that game early from DB and JB, I think this could have been a different game. I mean, the Grizzlies were still in this game, and I think the Jazz probably played as well as they, they were playing this series. I mean, they had 19 threes. You're probably not going to play play much better than that, and the Grizzlies still got it down to, to a single-possession game there um, and, and were really in this game until a run there late. So I think this Jazz team knows that this Grizz team it's not scared of them. They're not going to push this team around. And I think it's going to be a, a really a, a big, big time fight when it gets back to 191 Bill. And I'm excited about these two games. And I think the Grizzlies have an opportunity to win these two games. I, I really do. I, I saw, I feel better about this series now than I felt going into game one. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I, I said before the series, I thought the Grizzlies would find a way to win a couple games. I didn't think they had a shot in this series. And then after seeing game two, even though game two was a loss, I have confidence that the Grizzlies can beat this team. Donovan Mitchell, like he's not 100%. He said that he was ready to go, but it's clear that he's not. If he's not out there, 
And, and even with him out there, the, the Grizzlies were down 22, got it back to within three points. Yeah. They, they've shown the fight. They're not going to lay down. There's too much competitiveness coming from Dylan and Ja and Kyle and JV and Jaren. Like all of these guys want to win. And my favorite basketball moment, maybe freaking ever, is when 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 Desmond Bain yeah, hit, that, hit that three <laughs> oh, and just, so just stared him down and was just <laughs> smiling and nodding his head. Like I, I can't even tell you how happy that 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 was game one, wasn't it? That was yeah. When he, yeah, yeah. So at the end of third quarter. So you know, like the, this series has already brought a lot of great moments for the Grizzlies, but I I've gained confidence even in this loss because of the fight that they showed to to claw back into this game and get it into a one possession game. Then then the Jazz won on the run. They closed the door. The pick and roll defense kind of fell apart. Gobert got a couple dunks. Gobert is a monster. I hate him. I I can't stand him. He's a freaking flopper. For a guy that's like seven foot two eighty, he flops around like he's five foot nothing and 110 pounds. And it drives me insane. But do not discredit what this man can do defensively. And that's I, I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of, you know, well, you know, he, he's not, <laughs> excuse me, dang, you know, he's not having success. Well, Rudy Gobert's won defensive player of the year twice for a freaking reason. It's yeah, because I mean, he's, he's really, really good. Yeah, he's wreck your offense, paint, man. man. And so you know, if you don't watch a lot of jazz games, you don't see what he's capable of. He really alters anything inside around the paint around the basket when he's down there he makes people alter their shots he makes teams game plan around his defensive abilities for a reason but even outside of that the grizzlies still have a shot and it it is it's you know on first take they were talking about it and uh perkins was he he said if you've never been to memphis and played in there and you felt the energy and he, he didn't know he was trying to think of whoop that trick and he was stumbling trick, all yeah. over the place. He's yeah. like, you know, they get in there and he's like, whoop that in. And he, yeah. I don't even remember what he said. He's but, like, whatever, whatever that song is. is what yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he, he was talking about the energy that the fans bring. And he said, if you've never been there, I don't think that you fully understand it. And the, you know, these role players are going to feed off of that energy so it's definitely a series. I would love it if the Grizzlies managed to win both of these games at home. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that they do legitimately have a shot to win both of these games. Yeah, and I said it on Twitter earlier. I think they definitely have a shot. It's going to be tough, but I definitely think they're capable. Um, and you kind of talk about the role players, and that's kind of one of my keys. That I think the bench has to be better. I mean, in game two, they got outscored. 43 to 14, like you said, Desmond Bain has really been the only only guy that's really produced off the bench. And is it time to, to to shake things up a little bit? I mean, I wouldn't mind. I'm usually not a guy that would make adjustments at this point. I'm kind of a, a dance with the girl that, that, that you brought to the dance type of guy. But when you're struggling like this, I mean, I think there are options there. I mean, do you deploy Justice Winslow as a defensive mercenary? I think there are points where he could get some minutes out there against guys like Bogdanovich and whatever. He just you, you don't need him offensively, but I think you could steal some minutes with him defensively. Could you bring BC back into the fold? I, mean, I think I think there are opportunities to to bring some guys back in, but I think these other guys have to be better. I mean, you have to get more from Grayson. I mean, he's been bad he's in been, this series. He's been bad. You know, he he had a couple. He knocked down a couple big threes. Game one. Um, yeah, but. When when he's playing like he did in game two, when he's not knocking down the shot, I mean he's just you just get, he's give me Justice Winslow, man. Yeah, because defensively, if Grayson Allen is shooting the ball the way that he was shooting in game two, he's not. I he's take not I take anything. Justice Winslow because Justice Winslow would be you know he's been bad offensively, but you know what he's going to give you defense. He's that's... significantly better on the defensive yeah. end, and I think that you know his skill set and what he can do. He showed it at times of getting to the basket and the matchup that he would have. I think that he would be a plus. Uh, again, it's a tough time. And if Jenkins makes a huge change like that and it doesn't work out, he's going to get a lot of heat. But when it comes to playoff series, sometimes you've got to do, you, you've got to swing for the fences. You have to take a chance that you may not normally take. 
in order to make those adjustments to, to get the win. We'll see what happens. I I think that we see BC in game three. I really do. Yeah, Whenever it so comes well. to the, the pick and roll defense, maybe he surprises us, but after watching the film, they've got some days off here. They travel. They're going to be watching film and studying it. If he really sits down and looks at those minutes with Jaron at the five, there's no way that he can be happy with them. There's just no, no way. Mean, it's it's, and it's rough, man. Yeah, again, it, it's not a let's let's hate on Jaron. That's not what it is. Jaron, although he's seven foot, he is not a center, and that's okay. You you know that you learn that. Maybe you know as he adds muscle, that can change. But right now, he's not there. And so you, you have to do something to make some form uh, or, or fashion of an adjustment to see if you can remedy that. Because if you don't and you play that pick and roll defense the same way they did in, in, in game two, the Grizzlies are going to get rolled. They, they, they cannot play the pick and roll defense the same in game three as they did in game two, or the Jazz are going to come into Memphis and steamroll. Yeah, I mean, you, you they, they have to find – I mean, I, I don't know if there's a complete answer for it, but it has to be better than it was in game two. Uh, and, and we talked about this earlier. I don't know if that's to give up the floaters in the lane to to try to, to stop some of the three-point shooting. I mean, the, the Jazz are going to hit threes. But you can't let them – you can't get outscored. You can't let them hit 19 threes and get outscored by 33 points from the three-point line. And you, you're not going to win games like that. This is not a – recipes for success so they have to be better they did a, they did a pretty good job of defending the pick and roll in game one but it just fell apart there especially late in that game when they went on that run to kind of pull away and put it away put it away but that's that's something that they have to figure out and i mean maybe they don't have an answer for it but i think you you can try different things and then i think i think it's been shown it's shown that the jaron at the five thing is not going to work and again that's not that's jared very early on in jaron's rookie year i thought that he would mature into a five now i'm i, I don't really feel that way anymore i think he's a four and especially in this series going up against gobert and a guy of his size you really can't play him there uh, so i think they got to find an answer to that maybe and i think bc gets some minutes there but you in the, like you said in the playoff series if something's not working man you have to try whatever you can try i mean there's a reason why the jazz are the number one seed and the Grizzlies are eight i mean the jazz are a really good team and they're going to cause problems for pretty much anybody uh, so, I mean, but, but I mean, there might not be an answer for it, but I think you have to maximize what you have. And I think there's a couple other things that Jenkins can try. And, and I think we're going to see that going forward. Cause again, the Jaron thing's just in the pick and roll is just not working. And I hate to, 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 to keep passing, uh, saying bad things about Jaron, not really bashing him. It just is what it is. Yeah. And you know, like the, the, the drop defense from JV was driving us crazy because of the, in the game against Indiana, when, when Levert had like, 40 or 80, you know, what seemed like a hundred points with the mid range jumpers, it was driving us nuts, but you, you got to give those up, man. You just had you to, to me, go back to playing the drop. They, they made adjustments. They were playing it differently a little bit. The, the dunks from Gobert are not going to be misses. Those are high percentage shots that you don't want to live with. If Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, shoot 70% from the mid-range and tear you up. You exactly. just gotta with it. You know, yeah. you, you can't go under the screen and give them the three. This team shoots the three too well to do that. And you can't just let Gobert roll to the, the basket and dunk it every time either. It's got to find it, man. Got to, got to find it. I don't know for sure what that answer is. I, I think the drop would definitely make a difference in that. Uh, it, it would eliminate the dunks. But, you know, it what you give up from that, I'd say definitely the mid-range, the floaters, the mid-range jumpers are going to be a lot lower percentage than what a dunk are, you know, analytically giving up those, the wide open three looks. Um, and th there's so many positive things, you know, we're, we, we've kind of hit on um, a lot of the negative in this game. But John Morant franchise record forty seven points. That's not just playoffs. That was Mike Miller had the previous team high of forty five. Yeah, I think it was a and regular season game against the Nuggets. I, I was at that game. I remember that. I I thought that Ja was going to hit the fifty, man. I really did. He tried, and man. He put up that three there at the end. I was like, I wonder was he aware that he had forty seven, and he he let me know that he was aware. He came out and pulled up that pull for three. And I think yeah. DB ended up hitting a three off the offensive rebound. I was like, man, I wish Ja could have could have put that down to get a 50 piece, but yeah. yeah. 
just unbelievable. I I was going to ask uh, Quinn Snyder a question about Ja in the in the press conference before the last game, and I'm definitely going to ask him if they call on me. I'm definitely going to ask him before game three. I just want to see what his opinion on. I I think that you know I, I'm going to have a pretty good idea of what he's going to say, but the Jazz don't have an answer for him. They no. have not been able to stop him. And that's good for the Grizzlies. The game started off. The first half was pretty much Ja carrying the load. And then in the second half, you know, Kyle got into double digits. Jaron, 16. JV had 18. Uh, Dylan Brooks scored 23. And then Bain. Bain only had five off the bench. It looks like Bain and Melton, five and seven. So 14 points total off of the bench. It's just, just not going to cut it for them. But it's... Man, I, I like you say you can't even say unbelievable anymore. But it, it's incredible to see Ja at this early in his career what he's doing, and and against you know he he's going in he he's hitting the the floaters he's trying to dunk against one of the best defensive players in the league and arguably one of the best defensive players ever in Rudy Gobert. When when Gobert blocked his dunk, you know Ja's like, "Don't worry, I'll be back" or something of that yeah, nature. That's what he said, and then yeah. he went right back at him later in the game, and Gobert didn't even jump with him. And and I think I wish he would have because that would have been a poster. He was Ja, you know he he got up quick, and Gobert was not in a position where he would have blocked that one. I think that would have been uh, pretty ugly on his part if he would have tried. But this crazy stuff, Ja Dylan Brooks has been insanely efficient lately making that contract you know he, he just making climbing look like a freaking genius like oh we just signed this dude to arguably the best contract in the in the history of the franchise at this point yeah i mean he's just been on on another level um and maybe he's one of those guys where and he's talked about this that his mentality and his game fits the playoff format more i mean he's the confidence that he brings, and that's one thing that I've been really impressed by with this team because a lot of teams in their position, the Jazz, a young team, the Jazz would 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 punk them. I mean, they would they'd be scared of this team, and this team is not at all. The confidence and the swagger that the Grizzlies have shown has really been impress, impressive to me, and that's one of the reasons why I believe that they have a chance in the series. I still don't know if they'll win it, but I think they believe they can win it, and that's half of the battle right there. And to go back to Ja. I mean, I, I think he's figured out right now that they just don't have an answer for him. And he was talking about how he was able to get to his spots on the floor and just that entire just second half. I mean, he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. I mean, they just couldn't couldn't stop him. He was just getting in lane. Every time he got in lane, I felt like he was going to score. Um, and then he got what, – what did he do from the free throw line? I mean, I don't even have it here. Ja, 15 to 15 was, to 20. 15 20 free throws. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's big time. I mean, you can get your, your point guard, get, to the, get in the lane and get to the free throw line. 20 attempts. Um, he was struggling early, but really came on and started knocking him down. I think he was one of four at one point and finished 15 to 20. So he did a fantastic yeah. job there. But I mean, it's score 47 points. I mean, that's something that guys at his age just aren't doing. Um, and, and I think he knows again, I don't think they have any answer for him. So I think that's something that's going to translate game to game. Now, will he score 47 points every game? No, but I think he could score 25 uh, every game against this team. And when, I mean, if you have that from him and you get, what you getting from Brooks, if they can limit some of the three-point shooting, again, the Jazz are going to make threes. But, again, you can't let all their perimeter guys go off, and that's kind of what happened in game two and what didn't happen in game one. I mean, I think you need to see more of what happened in game one, and I think I think the Grizzlies will be fine. I mean, you know, road players usually struggle a little bit more than they do at home on the, on the road, so a lot of those shots probably aren't going to fall the way they were falling in game two, at least you hope not, uh, at, at FedEx Forum. And if they can limit that, I think that's a big thing. I mean, losing – from three by 33 points. I mean, you're just not going to win a game like that. And even despite that, they only lost this game by 12 and again, got it down to three one at one point um, in, in the second half. I think that has to give you confidence because I mean, this jazz team, that's probably about again. I said earlier about as well as they can play And the Grizz were still in that game. And that was on the road in a game where the jazz had to win to stop from going down two Oh, so I feel good going into these two games that finished for them. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you, man. I, uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to take. I do know that that fixing that the the pick and roll defense we've talked about that that's got to get better, and and just executing and, and that's something 
John was asked and pretty much everybody was asked about John in the game and his performance and, and he wasn't happy with it. He's like, you know, it's an honor to be able to do that, but we didn't win. So it, it was not enough. I, I love that. He, he just, his mindset, the, the way that he approaches everything, his work ethic, just, just great for this franchise, man. And, and it makes it fun to cover him because, you know, like when, when he's out there on the floor, you know, he's going to be confident and he's going to, you know, like the, the trash talk back and forth. Like you see that from him, but you know, when it comes down to it, everything that he does is win. like that's his, you know, if he scores eight points and they win, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't play well. We got the win. I'm sure that he'd rather average eight points a game and win this series then drop 50 every game and lose. Yeah, I mean, you've seen, we've seen in games this year where he didn't have really, really great games and, and, they, and they won. And in the post game press conference, he was happy. I mean, happy for his teammates. He, he builds his, his other teammates up, he supports them. And that's what you want from your leader. I mean, even we go back to that press conference, I think before, I can't remember, before, after game one, where I think it was, it was after, I think it was after the, the win against Golden State where he said, Man, shout out! Give our dog DB some credit for on these all defensive teams, and you love that to have a guy that is not so much worried about his stats. He wants his his teammates to be what do well, and he wants to win. And it doesn't matter what his numbers are. I really believe that he would be happy if he never scored another point in this game, but the Grizzlies in the series, but the Grizzlies won the series. I think he'd be genuinely happy with that, and and that's kind of that's what you want. I mean, he said he scored forty seven points, and he said it wasn't enough because we didn't win the game. And he may come as like that throughout the year. And I don't think it's just talk. I think he genuinely feels that way. And then that's what you want uh, from, from your leader. And I, I don't, I mean, there's not even words that you could say how lucky we are to, to be able to, to watch him and cover him here in Memphis. I mean, it's, he's just so great for this franchise in the city, the attitude that he has, his work ethic, everything that he brings to the game is just fantastic. And that's not even mentioning the otherworldly talent that he has. Yeah. Another guy we hadn't talked a whole lot about um, in, in this series, but Kyle Anderson, uh, 10 steals in the two games. The one thing, and that's great, obviously, you know, doing that on the defensive end, just locked in, being in the right spot at the right time, playing the passing lanes well, you know, poking the ball out, doing all of that right. The, the, the most important thing that I saw from Kyle, when they were down, when they were down 22 and they were fighting to come back, and there was a foul. He would be at the free throw line getting them together. And you could see, like, he was taking on – Kyle was taking that leadership role to keep him on the same page. I, and I, I still – I can't believe that I was like, I did just trade Kyle. And it wasn't because I didn't like him. But now I see what he's bringing to the team, and I'm like, man, what were you thinking? Like, what, why would you want to get rid of that? And, and, and you know – we, we've said it before. The Grizzlies would definitely not be in this spot without him. Um, no, you know, not at all. Not, not that he is, you know, the cornerstone of the franchise, but he's been a, a massive part of the season. And just it, it was great to me to see him, you know, like pull it, hey, huddle up, get in here, and, and you know, just talking, talking to the guys, trying to rally them. And, and I think that, you know, just those few times when you saw him doing that, that – that is one of the things that kept them from not that these guys would give up in the playoffs. That's not going to happen, but like he was keeping the spirits up. Like it, that was driving the energy right there. And, and that was huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I was never on, I was always pro pro Cal and, and pro keeping them here when, when people were talking about trading them. But even as, as a Cal trooper, I never expected what we saw from him this season. I mean, that when job went down with the ankle injury, earlier in the season. I mean, he, whoever thought we'd do, you'd be saying Kyle put a team on his back, but he did exactly that. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal during that time that John was out. And he's been really good all season. I mean, offensively, he's not what he was then, but I mean, he's been fantastic. I mean, he, the intangible things that he brings to the floor. And you, and you talk about that, about how he was holding guys up and talking, what is he, 26 years old? And that's a veteran on, on this team. And he, yeah, yep. he is, he is, been a leader for this team. I mean, you even at a press conference, you can. I, I love talking to guys. That, I mean, you you can just tell by the way that he interacts with the media and things, the way he talks about the game, that he's a leader in that locker room. Um, 
And, I mean, he's been phenomenal for this team. And I think probably even the front office was probably thinking, well, he's not a long-term piece for this team. But maybe I think he might have changed the mind a little bit on that. And I think his, his contract, when you look back at it, a lot of people scoffed at how much they gave him when he first signed that contract. And I think now that's a phenomenal deal, uh, kind of similar in, in the vein of what DBs is. I think he's earned every bit of that contract. And this team would not be in playoffs right now, I don't think, if it wasn't for Kyle Anderson, his contributions this year, probably on, on, on and off the floor. Yeah. Man, I, I don't have much of anything else. I think we've kind of covered what we think they need to do. You were talking about your keys of the game on Twitter. I'm gonna, I want you to, to go over those. I didn't see how many. Did you get up to three? Three of those is that true? Think it actually ended up to being five, and I'm trying to trying to remember what all they were. The first one is, I, I think, the, well, I think the well, I can't remember how, what order I have. I'm just gonna riff off the top of my head here. I think offensive rebounding is, is one. I think that the Jazz got too many offensive rebounds in in game two. Um, you, the Jazz are good enough on first attempt, and you can't give that team second or third attempt. So it's gonna be a a long night for you, and I think. Personnel-wise, I mean, it might be tough, but I think they just have to do a better job of gang rebounding. The guards have to have to get in there and get rebounds. There were there were times where Utah just wanted more. I mean, I, mean, I think there was one possession there late in the game. I just remember they got like four offensive rebounds. I remember Royce O'Neal got one to be just throwing the ball in off the sideline, was going out. I mean, it was just pure hustle on their part. And, again, with Rudy Gobert in there, it's going to be tough, but I think as collectively as a unit, the Grizzlies have to do a better job of, of team rebounding. Um, and because again, you can't give that team second or third opportunities because a good team like that, they're going to burn you if, if you give them multiple opportunities. And that's what we saw in that, especially in that run there late in the game. The, the bench has to be better. Uh, I mean, you, you get, get outscored 43 to 14. I mean, that's that's tough, tough to overcome. You get outscored 43 to 14 off the bench, and then you get outscored plus 33 in three pointers. I mean, those are two huge deficits that they're not, you're not going to have as much success. But you look at the personnel, I mean, Grayson, uh, you didn't score. And again, maybe we need to see a shake up there. Maybe if, if Grayson's going to shoot the way he shoots, not give you anything offensively, the defensive matchup, Winslow would definitely be better. I mean, he's bigger, brings more lit. Um, and even though he struggled offensively in his time with the Grizzlies this late in the season, his defense, he was he was really good on defense. Um, and you got guys like Bogdanovich and Royce O'Neal and these type of guys. I think he matches up with them really well. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Taylor Jenkins deploy him a little bit. Uh, baby BC, uh, see what he can do in the pick and roll. I think we definitely see that here in, 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 in these two games in Memphis. I think he'll be back in a rotation in some capacity. Uh, but the bench has to be, be better. You can't get outscored by the 43 to 14 off the bench. That's just not not going to cut it. Uh, I talked about Jaron a little bit. We discussed that about going inside more and exploiting uh, some of those mismatches. I think that's something that we have to see you can't give up 19 threes. I mean, they're going to hit threes, but the Grizzlies have to be – you look at game one, and even though I think the Jazz outshot out them for three, it has to be a closer margin than that. You can't be minus 33 uh, from the three-point line. Just Jazz team's going to make threes. You're not going to completely shut them down, but it has to be better, and I think that kind of goes with the pick and roll. However, they decide to, to fix that or deploy that, I think that'll go a long ways in, in fixing that. And other than that, I mean, I think those are kind of the, the big things uh, that they have to look at going into game three and four again. I mean, I, I don't know if they can totally fix these things, but they got to be better than they were in game two, and we saw those things better in game one. And coming home, I think it's going to be a big advantage. I think they're going to feed off the crowd. Hopefully the Jazz role players don't play as well as they did in game two. And I, I'm confident, man, in this team, and I, and I feel like they're confident in coming home. I feel really good, especially about tomorrow night. Uh, we'll, we'll see about game four, what happens there. But I feel like the Grizzlies – come out and I think they get a win on tomorrow night. I feel really good about that. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing for me on the threes, you know, maybe they, maybe they can make 19 threes, but the 50% from three is the biggest deal that they got a lot of really good looks from three yeah. is why they knocked down so many. Um, Taylor Jenkins was talking in the, um, I can't remember. It was, it was, pregame or postgame he's talking to one of the pressers and he talked about the jazz defensively being very disciplined and their guys don't over help part of that is because they know they've got rudy gobert back there as a backdrop <laughs> yeah. and he can he can kind of lock that down but but some of that you know some of that is discipline they've got to know hey stay stay in this spot because if you drift off too far this guy's going to knock down a three 
and you could see guys, you know, Royce O'Neal, he was, uh, he, he was a guy that he, he was four for six from three. And it seemed like a lot of his threes were wide open looks of where guys were sliding over to help and they didn't get back. They couldn't close out on him. Joe Ingles, he was, I think he was a leader in the second half of the season from three as far as percentage wise, he was three for three. You've got to be disruptive to these guys. You can't let them have wide open looks. And I know for a fact there were a couple, at least three or four times when guys were sliding in to help and they just lost track of their man. And then the ball gets swung over there and boom, you know, the, the guy's wide open and you're 17, 18 feet away. You're not going to close that in enough time before he gets that shot off. So all good points. Game three back at the forum on Saturday. Going to be a big one. I don't know. I think, what's it going to be? Is it like around ten or 11,000? Is, is that about 10, what the number is? 10,000. So, yeah, about 10, you know, when, when I was there, I was there for the play-in game against San Antonio. 7,500, I think, for that one. And, and there was noise. There was energy. You can feel it from the fans. So, you know, you're you're looking three to 4,000 more people. I think that's going to be huge for the Grizzlies. If you're going to the game, have fun, enjoy it, make sure you're bringing the energy they're going to need it, man. I, I, I want them to fill this home court advantage. And I, I would love to, uh, I, I would love to be there. Unfortunately, work just can't, but I will be at game four 100% for sure. Yeah. And to kind of go back to that point, I think one obvious remedy to the 3.2 degrees is make threes themselves. Uh, I mean, you're minus 11 on three point line. If they shoot night, if they make 19, make 14. I mean, I, I think they're capable of doing that. We've seen this team shoot really well. Uh, so, I mean, that that's obvious. Really. I mean, this Grizzlies are not a good three-point shooting team, but you're coming home, you're in the playoffs, maybe they outshoot their 34-35% average on the season, and that's a that's a, that's a way they can remedy that. But, it's good. but again, you you can't lose by that much on, on the line, whether it's you making threes yourself or doing better in the pick-and-roll defense. 33 points, man, that's just a lot to give up. And if they're, they're beating you by 33 points on a three-point line, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be hard for you to beat them. Yeah, and the one place where the Grizzlies generally make up that deficit is in the paint. And in this game, the the let's see, I think the Grizzlies did outscore. Let me see what them. they got. Uh, the Grizzlies had sixty-two in the paint. Sixty-two and, and, fifty-eight. Yeah, so you know, you you can make that up sometimes, but against a, a team that plays pick and roll this well, you're not going to outscore them by thirty-three points in the paint like that. No. I don't think at any point in this series the Grizzlies will I mean, outscore the Jazz. By even twenty in the paint, I I, I don't think that that is going to happen, just because of how well Mike Conley and even Donovan Mitchell now that he is back, they've got some guys that play the pick and roll very well, and so we'll see, man. I, I'm excited. I I didn't think the Grizzlies could win this series before the series started. Now after seeing these first two games, I I do have belief that they can do it. They're going to have to take care of business at home though. That is one hundred percent for sure. If they uh. I feel like they got to win both of them here if yeah, they want a I chance so. to win this series, man. So you can get the show on, but well, I'm trying to close this out. You got anything <laughs> else before we go, man? No, man, just uh, agree with you there. I think if, if they're going to win this series, I, I don't think if, if they end up splitting these two games, I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to to have to go to Utah to win either a game six or a game or a game five or a game seven. I mean, they, that, that, that's, that's going to be tough. I think if they're going to win, they got to take care of business at home and, We'll see. Uh, I, I think they, I think confidence-wise, I, I think they proved a lot to me in that third quarter after getting down to 22 points to be able to battle back the way they did and still be in the game with the way Utah played. Because I, I don't know if Utah's going to play a better game than they played on on Wednesday night. And and for you to still be in that game despite foul trouble from from DB and Jones Valanciunas to to still be in that game, I think that proved to me that they can play with this team even when they're playing really well. And I think being at home, I think that kind of changes this thing. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think if they, they're going to win the series, they got to win both of these and they get both of these, man, go back to Utah three, one. We'll, we'll see what happens, but, but I, I'm excited about the opportunity for them and it should be fun. There is one more thing that it is semi, but not really Grizz related that I wanted to talk about. And that is the crap that's going on with fans. The yeah. popcorn on Westbrook, the dude in New York city that spit on Trey young, <laughs> And apparently, I didn't see this until today. I don't know when it came out, but apparently three fans in Utah yeah. got banned because of some stuff that they were saying to Jaws family. 
I'm going to tell you this, right? I like, I I've, I've talked about stuff like this. I think I want to say it was either last year or two years ago. Um, Marcus smart. He went out of bounds after a ball and they yeah. were in Denver somewhere. Yeah. And, and the guy made a, a terrible, I, I, it was something like stay where you belong or some crap like that. These, these guys are grown ass men because of their job, they're not allowed to respond yeah. like they, they can say stuff, but they're not really allowed to, to respond the way that they would respond. No, no way. They, they, these, they would say this stuff and to them outside yeah. on the street. Like, there's no way. If somebody came to a game with me and done that shit, Russ wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> like they're getting smoked, dude. They're, they're, I, I, I am 100% confident that there's not a single person that I hang around that is that stupid. Man, but I, I, was, I, wanted, I wanted chance, them to let him go. I was like, let him go, man. I was like, yeah. because I mean, that's it's ridiculous, man. I mean, yeah, you, that, that's, a, you cannot do that. You can't. So like, I'm, man, I, I just, I, I wouldn't tolerate it at all, man. If, if somebody in my section is doing something like that, like they're getting called out 100%. Like I'm, I'm standing up. I'm pointing at like security guard. If I can stop them before they do something like that, I'm going to stop them, but they're, they're not going to get the hide. And, and I don't think that those guys did, but the, the popcorn was bad enough, but spitting on somebody. Yeah. I mean, that's, bro, I'm going to tell you like, it's so out of bounds, man. man. Th there's a lot of people out there that can probably whoop my ass. If they spit on me, we're going to find out. <laughs> like yeah. I can, I can promise you that. I, I ain't going to whoop everybody out there. I ain't the baddest man on the planet. But if you spit on me, we, we're about to find out who can whip who. I can promise you. And that's like fans have to do better. If you're at a game and you see somebody trying to do that, squash it. Holler at a security guard. Like th these people are cowards. The guy that dumped the popcorn on Westbrook, like cowers straight back to he leans over and dumps the popcorn and then slides back right back into the seat to try and act like he didn't do it. Like, that I it's trash, man. Complete trash. So as fans do better, if you see somebody trying to be ignorant or if you hear somebody saying something, point them out, put them on blast because we don't need people like that at the games, man. Yeah, like, I tweeted out I, I tweeted out yesterday and I was saying that, that athletics is the only thing where people feel like they can say and do anything. To, like these people aren't human beings or something like yeah. stuff that you would. There's no way you would do that outside on, on the street. If you saw Russell Westbrook, you're not dumping popcorn on his head outside the street. No, you know, man. you know how that's going to turn out. So you're I mean, it's just, you're, you're a coward, man. And it's it's idiot. Well, you, these are just idiots. Like you got to spit on a guy. I mean, it's not that serious. I mean, we we're passionate about our teams and and dis dislike certain guys on the floor. But I mean, that's out of bounds, man. You just going going too far. I mean, I like yeah. people like I saw someone on Twitter the other day was saying like after that game that they hope the jazz plane crash. And I was like, man, no, are you, are you serious, man? I'm like, that's, not it that's either, just man. crazy stuff, man. I'm like, it's, it's not that serious. I understand that you don't like Rudy Gobert. You don't like what's going on in this game, but man, you like want these guys to die. I mean, that's like crazy yeah, stuff, no, man. man. I think this is fan is sort of for fanatic. And a lot of times people take that, Seriously, and you see some idiotic stuff out there people say and do, and it's just got to stop. Fans got to be better, man. That's that's the bottom line. End of the day, man. Regardless of how much money these guys are making, at, like I, I, there's not enough money in this world for it to be okay for somebody to say whatever they want to say to you. You know, the the guy that wanted a frosty from Wendy's that was you know cussing Isaiah Thomas and all, like, <laughs> dude, it's it's not okay to say that stuff, and people have to know that, and that's you know, some people just aren't raised right and they're that stupid, but for those of us that know right and wrong, if you're in the stands, and, and I'm not I'm not encouraging you to go up and and fight anybody or nothing like that, but the fans have to police this stuff, man. Security. You know, for when it's full, I think FedEx Forum is like 18,000, 19,000. And, you know, you've got what, probably maybe 70, 80 security guards or something like that working in there. They're not going to hear everything. They're not going to see everything. You, you got to get people like this away from the game, man. That they, idiots that are going to say and do stuff like that, don't deserve to be in there watching it.
No, and, we, and I was saying yesterday, it's kind of funny, it came on the hill of the, the popcorn thing. Yesterday, the courts, I think, in, in Utah denied the case of the fans. We, we, Russ got into it with the, the husband and wife, I think, a, a couple years ago, back in 2019 in Utah. That came to a head yesterday where the courts denied their claim. I mean, they were trying to sue Russell Westbrook and the Jazz. Like, how are you, how are you suing, trying to yeah. sue Russell Westbrook and the Jazz? Like, I didn't when get to read I had to read it twice to, to make sure I wasn't reading it wrong. Yeah, and, and the guy was talking about Russ's family. Like, if I remember that right, like, I don't remember all of the stories, but, you know, like, don't it, you can talk crap about somebody's game and they're going to take it. Like, yeah, but I, I've been at games personal, when, when guys, like, you know, fans will be talking crap to Chris Paul about his, his shot or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and like, he'll kind of jaw back with them a little bit. And, and, and that's all, like, there's a line. And if you don't know where that line is, keep your damn mouth shut. Don't don't say anything. If you don't know where the line is, just don't talk trash. No. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't you can't you can't talk about it anybody's family again. Yeah. That's out of bounds. You cross way across that line when you start uh, anything other than what's going on in the basketball court. You cross the line. You say yeah. anything personal about even personal about even them. It's it's bad enough, but you're but the their family is definitely out of bounds. I mean, so you you just you just can't do it. I mean, and you these. People, idiots know this. I mean, they they know what they're doing, and it's sad. But but again, man, they got to clean this stuff up, and it's just you just hate to see it. And we've actually we have a couple couple incidents here recently, man. And hopefully, we don't hear any more, much more about any of, this, any of this stuff as the playoffs go on. Yeah, I hope the NBA does something to uh, to help remedy this. But we, we will get out of here now. I keep saying that, but <laughs> well, you can get the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at Dwill two one one one. We will be back with another post game after game three. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. Again, we'll be back for a post game after game three. Make sure you go over and follow at Hoopball Grizz. Man, go out, man. Go out to the game. Get out the FedEx Forum and support this team. They're going to need that need that energy. Uh, Utah crowd uh, really, really brought it uh, out there at Vivid Smart Home Arena. So we're going to need the same kind of injury at FedEx Forum. I know it's only 10,000. I know a lot of people complain about that, man, but fill all 10,000 of those seats, man, and give give this team a boost. I mean, this team deserves it after the way they played. I mean, to to even be here in this position, I mean, no, but no, I don't think a lot of people felt like they'd be here. I mean, one, it's, you just look at what they've done. I mean, even, even just going back in game to the Golden State game, once they blew that lead, when it went to overtime, I mean, people really believed that they were going to win that game at that point. Most people thought, oh, here we go. Steph's going to win this game. This team persevered. They got one on the road. So, man, come over and help this team get two victories. And those that, man, that's all I got. We'll talk to you sometime after game three. Until then, go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.